This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what's the first thing you would do? Get outside more? Check in on that friend you've been meaning to catch up with? Maybe learn how to play an instrument? I know I've thought about what I would do with more time in my day, and many people daydream about what they might do in that scenario. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your actual schedule is to know what's important to you and take whatever reasonable steps you can to make those things more of a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is not just for people who've experienced major traumas. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily. This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its six-year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be counting down BJ Colangelo's top 10 movies of 2023. My name is Ben Pearson. I am an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor BJ Colangelo. Hi, hi, hi. All right, BJ, let's get into it. Do you have any honorable mentions of movies that you really loved last year, but just couldn't quite crack your top 10? Yes, I just want the record to state that I actually kind of hate top 10 lists. It gives me so much anxiety and stresses me out so much because I'm constantly trying to juggle like, well, what were the 10 films that I liked the best? Uh, What films, if I leave off, are going to get me sent hate mail? Uh, (laughs) What is the difference between best and favorite? There's a lot of things juggling at play. So I want to make it explicitly clear that anything that I talk about today, honorable mention or official top 10 list, this is like a 9.5 out of 10 or higher for me across the board. It's just, you know, not. I'm limited to 10. I can only pick 10. Um, but the five honorable mentions that I have uh, is American Fiction. Um, absolutely obsessed with this movie. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Nimona, the Netflix animated film, uh, absolutely loved this film as well. Um, the Iron Claw, 
one of my favorite films of the year that I've not been able to stop talking about. Avon got a pull quote on the FYC for it, which was really, really exciting. Um, Monica, this is my unsung film of the year that I wish more people would see, starring Trace Lissette and Patricia Clarkson. It's phenomenal. And You Hurt My Feelings, um, just one of those films that just has a, a nice little message. It feels very cozy. Um, it has a great performance by uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Excellent. Man, those are that's a great uh, selection of honorable mentions there. And yeah, I feel you, BJ, in terms of like the ridiculous uh, notion of, of ranking these movies against each other. It, for me, I was um, it came into very stark relief when I was trying to decide where both Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem and The Zone of Interest would be on my list. And I'm like, the fact that these two movies are being talked about in the same conversation, aside from the fact that like they're great, is just like ludicrous to me. So uh, yeah, my, my heart goes out to you. I appreciate you making this list uh, and, and talking about it with me today. So let's talk about your number 10. My number 10 is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Uh, this was my favorite animated film of the year. I know that's a shocker, especially with such incredible titles like The Boy and the Heron and Across the Spider-Verse, also in contention. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have always been like one of my favorite IPs ever since I was a kid. So of course there is a bit of the nostalgia there that's going to, you know, speak to my sensibilities, but I am just such a fan of the way that someone like director Jeff Rowe is continuing to push the animation medium. Um, I also really loved the Mitchells versus the machines. That was my favorite animated film the year that came out, um, which he also co-directed. So that sort of animation style speaks to my sensibilities, but also the the reimagining of these characters to embrace the fact that they're teenagers, that they are going to be obsessed with pop culture, that they are going to struggle in a society that makes them feel weird because they're different. Mm-hmm. And what that, you know, feels like in a relatable sense really spoke to me. And it has, for my money, the best uh, soundtrack and like the combination of soundtrack and score is untouchable in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, what a cool, cool movie. I'm I'm so happy that Jeff Rowe and, and his collaborators were able to like put this specific spin on uh this iteration and really like breathe new life back into into this franchise. That's awesome. Definitely. Um, okay, you're number nine. My number nine is Barbie. Um, I was actually kind of shocked that this ended up being, I guess, as low as as it is because I can't stop talking about Barbie. Barbie has been one of my favorite movies to talk about this year for sure. Um, But again, everything is either a 9.5 or a a perfect 10 as far as I'm concerned on this list. But I love Barbie. It resonated with me. I think anybody who's familiar with the site knows that I'm kind of like our resident Barbie head. Um, Yeah, it just I've watched it like three or four times since it hit streaming, including the ASL version, which I highly recommend people check out because it's really wonderful. Oh, um, cool. It's it's really, really wonderful in watching the way that the interpreter like changes her body posture or her facial expressions, depending on if she's doing Barbie or Ken or even Alan is <laughs> such a treat, just an added layer of of great. Um, but Barbie is one of those movies that for, you know, all of the valid complaints people can lobby against it, um, was a phenomenon in terms of cultural relevancy and was a giant uh, neon sign to the industry that there is power in telling stories that are marketed towards girl audiences, not just women, but girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about this movie when it came out, but like, I, I feel like because 
it became the runaway hit of 2023, it's really easy for people to overlook it or sort of like, um, I don't know, brush it off or something. But like going back to our original conversation about it, it, it's kind of miraculous that this exists in this form. And, um, you know, it's easy to forget when, when the conversation shifts so much to, oh, this movie made X amount of billion dollars or whatever, or it's like the highest grossing movie in Warner Brothers history and, and all those kinds of things, you know, get get like lumped on top of it or whatever. But like the actual movie itself, you just go back to the text is like really something uh, spectacular to behold. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad it, it found a place on your list. Definitely. Okay, number eight. All right, number eight. Uh, the Color Purple. Um, the Color Purple as a musical, um, it, I think, is a really, really standout production. And I've listened to the soundtrack, you know, n- numerous times. But seeing the way that they incorporated elements from the original film, as well as obviously Alice Walker's book um, and the Broadway show, and kind of gave the color purple a new life um i i found really exciting um and very impressive how they were able to do that but really this ended up as high as it is on my list because danielle brooks is unbelievable in this movie she's so phenomenal and like I it's one of those things where like I walked into the theater and I expected like I'll like this you know I I know the story well I know the music I'll like this but it I left the theater feeling like I am so glad that I watched this and you know I love that Danielle Brooks is finally getting a vehicle to really show how talented she is Fantasia Brino also just unbelievable this cast like top to bottom is pretty perfect um and again like there's like with Barbie, there are some criticisms that could be made, but I think that this movie is great. And I know this is kind of a hot take. Uh, I think I prefer it to Spielberg's version. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Which I know is, you know, kind of a, kind of a hot take. Um, I, I don't know. It just like, it resonated. Um, it really just washed over me and I can't wait for this to be available for me to watch at home so I can watch it again. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Brooks is awesome in this. Taraji P. Henson rules in this. Even Coleman Domingo is playing like this really reprehensible character is really, really solid. Oh, yeah. What a year he's had. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, let's get to your number seven. Number seven, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, Marty can kind of do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. I've like even my least favorite uh, Scorsese movies are like a B plus. Um, But this movie dear god uh lily gladstone um i if she doesn't get the oscar i'm gonna throw a fit i've already written a piece about how uh she might be too good for the academy to recognize but i'm hoping that now that she's got the golden globe win and she's gotten some critics wins that maybe people will actually respect how wonderful she is in this movie yeah because that performance is so subtle right that that's like the the center center piece of your uh your article yes she doesn't have like the the clip that you put in the oscar reel of somebody like throwing a table and crying and screaming and setting something on fire like that's not that's not that performance it is so controlled and so wonderful and you know so then when she does have moments of you know emotional explosion it means something like you really Mm -hmm. feel it um but i really enjoyed this movie i like enjoy is not the right word because this is not a uh an enjoyable story but the way that marty was able to i kind of want to say like trojan horse people who are used to seeing you know his 
De Niro and uh, DiCaprio films about like, you know, these macho men behaving badly and basically being like, you should never identify with these guys. Like, <laughs> stop, stop misinterpreting the the lens of my movies. Don't you don't want to be these guys? Um, and you know, putting so much of the emphasis on the Osage people and their story. Um, I just I thought it was great. It's three and a half hours of just great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number six, PJ. All right, number six. Poor things. Uh, I love this movie. This movie was like tailor-made for me emma stone is brilliant uh mark ruffle is funnier than he's ever been pretty much everything that anyone has ever said about this movie i agree with them um (laughs) and i also love that this movie is so unafraid to be as horny as it is um and to show that like there is very much like that like that's a that's an important part of life for a lot of people is sexual liberation and um I yeah I love this movie. It's it's a feast for the eyes. Um, it's one that I want to talk about with everybody forever. And everyone's performances are phenomenal. Um, I think if anybody's gonna give Lily Gladstone uh, the run at the Oscars, it's gonna be Emma Stone. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it being a feast for the eyes. I was gonna ask you because I don't think we've talked about this movie yet. I was gonna ask you what you thought about the like the look, the um, you know the, the uh, I guess cinematography and production design because both of them are, are pretty distinctive. Oh, you know. It's- gorgeous <laughs> like it's gorgeous but at the same time weird like everything about this movie is weird looking and i it needs to be like it needs to kind of make you feel like you're in a bizarre world that's also so beautiful but also so messed up because that's the story like this is a beautiful story but it's also messed up like i've been joking that this is you know pardon the language if you have to bleep me i'm sorry but it's a frankenfuck movie so it's like uh yeah this is it, it something's a little off but also it's beautiful and i want to live in this world (laughs) okay uh yeah man great stuff there so let's take a break and then we'll come back for bj's top five of 2023 say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill all right, let's do number five. Alrighty, so number five, this one has not been talked about a whole lot, uh, but it is Monster. Did you see Monster by chance? I have not seen Monster yet. Okay, so Monster is a very um, intense film, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, it kind of follows a similar template to like a Last Duel or a Rashomon where we are looking at a preteen boy acting out and we're not sure what's going on here but he's acting out and there's something going on at school so it's a parent and a child and the teacher and then there's also some bullying things happening but it's trying to figure out what is going on with this kid and the movie is constantly asking the question well who is the real monster and it is an it's such a great exploration of how hurt people hurt people um, about how we never know what's really going going on in the interior lives of the people around us and yet we so quickly will condemn people with just like the smallest bits of information um it is not a pleasant watch 
but it is uh, fantastic, and I definitely recommend people check it out. Um, you mentioned Zone of Interest earlier. I think that this fulfills a similar uh, like you watch this once and then you're good and you don't want to, uh, <laughs> watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. So have you seen, other, I'm not like super familiar with Hirokazu Koreeda, the director of this movie. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen maybe one of his other films. Um, is he like one of your guys? Are you like familiar with him a, a lot as a filmmaker? So he is one of my guys, uh, for sure, for sure. Um, I like a lot of the ways that he approaches humans um, and like the human experience and, you know, what's going on with people. Uh, For those who aren't familiar, he's a Japanese uh, filmmaker. Um, Shoplifters is kind of like the big one of his that most people know about. And that's more of like a a drama that kind of like... uh, it's not as bleak as Monster. Um, But yeah, Monster is a bleak watch, but it's also really, really good. Um, So I think this is probably in like my top two uh films for him like okay wow it's, okay it's it's good <laughs> yeah i was wondering if i if i should um like go back and see you know some of his other earlier stuff first or just like you know because I, I have seen shoplifters but i think yeah i'm looking at his filmography right now I, that's the only movie of his that i've seen so i was curious if i should just watch monster because it's the most recent one or if like you know going back to some of his earlier stuff will like unlock um you know, uh, approaches or, or stylistic choices or something like that. If, if you would recommend, um, uh, after you know, the storm, I think would be like a nice primer, um, shoplifters after the storm, those two, I think together, um, will be, be a nice base if you're going into monster, but monster also feels very different. Uh, like it's a, cause it is a bit darker, um, than some of his previous work. Okay. Uh, all right, let's get to number four. All right, number four is Bottoms. Um, This is a movie that I feel like was made in a lab specifically to appeal to me. Um, It is a teen sex comedy. It is a queer film. Um, It follows under the umbrella that uh, fellow lesbian film analyst Annie Rose Malamut calls the dirtbag dyke genre, which I am a proud member of. Um, (laughs) it's everything that I wanted. Like it's inappropriate. It is saying something really funny. It is deconstructing not just teen films from the nineties, but also sex comedies from the eighties, as well as putting it through the more cautious lens of, you know, the the 2010s and kind of poking fun at that. Um, Everybody is a cartoon character in this movie. Uh, It's great. It was the funniest movie that I saw this year. And I quote it constantly so it gets to be this high up because it deserves it i'm honestly surprised it's not your number one bj like i know how much you love this movie so (laughs) that's awesome yeah this is where it gets into that like complicated of like uh will i get hate mail if i make this my number one i mean if i was making a list of like my favorites versus my best i think this probably would be my number one okay yeah we're we're just in um uh like a territory of degrees at this point is what it sounds like pretty much yeah Okay, so what is your number three? My number three is Godzilla minus one. Um, I love Godzilla movies. I love kaiju movies. I like going into it. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to love this. I was pr- ready and primed to love this. Was not ready and primed to cry my eyes out. Uh, but I cried a lot of things. Like this is that's not new for me. I cry all the time. Um, but I was a mess <laughs> during Godzilla minus one. Yeah. I I just 
was not expecting this movie to hit me as hard as it did. Um, this is easily now in my top five Godzilla movies. Uh, God, this movie's great. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like, I, I mean, I that that's the, the the big talking point coming out of the movie is like how much you care about the human characters. But I was not, I didn't know that going in, so I was like floored while I was watching it, just because uh, you know that's never been a real concern for me in Godzilla right. movies before. So um, yeah, I was like so shocked in in such a pleasant way um, that I was like so invested in what ha- what was happening to these people. There's so many yes. great set pieces in this. It's just ugh, great stuff. Uh, okay, you're number two, BJ. All right, so my number two is another movie that made me cry a lot. Uh, It is Past Lives. Um, Past Lives, I watched for the first time on an airplane, not the place to watch that movie, um, (laughs) for the record. And I was so struck by it that I was like, okay, no, I do need to watch this. Like, really give it my time and energy at home. And it was one of those movies where I was just sitting on the couch, like, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life now? (laughs) Like, all I'm doing is sitting here and thinking about every single decision I've ever made, every human connection I've ever had, any friendship relationship I've ever had, and trying to think, like, how how would my life be different if, like, this would have been the relationship that I followed through with? And not even in a sense of, like, oh, I feel like I missed out because I don't. I'm very happy. But in a sense of, like how would my life be different? Because that is the question that this movie is kind of forcing you to reckon with is like the different people that you've been throughout your life, the different relationships you've had and how circumstance is as important in determining your future as things like chemistry, as things like, uh, you know, geographical location. Mm -hmm. Um, And this movie's great. Oh my God, this movie's great. <laughs> yeah. And like one of the great endings of the year too. Just uh, absolutely killer. Oh my killer. God, yes. It's so good. <laughs> oh, and the score is awesome too. Man, uh, that, that's excellent. Okay. Uh, all right. You're number one. All right. My number one is May, December. Uh, Todd Haynes is absolutely one of my guys. He has always been one of my guys. And I am completely smitten with screenwriter Sammy Birch and the writing that she does in this movie. This is such a complex movie. I have seen it multiple times now. I actually just recently finally got to see it in a theatrical setting with an audience. And watching this movie with an audience only further proved why this is my favorite movie of the year because this is a movie that is so wholly determined by your lived experience like how you feel about this movie is so hyper personal because there's so like it is a like a morality minefield and how you navigate this film is completely dependent on who you are as a person your sense of a moral compass the things that you've dealt with the things you've not dealt with and it's a, it's been a very long time since I think a movie has done that, has had that kind of power where every single person in a, in a theater could have a different interpretation or feeling about this movie. And that is what I love about film. Yeah, there's so much complexity in this movie. And it's kind of shocking to realize that Sammy Birch has, um, this is like the first thing that she's written, the first feature that she's written that has seen the light of day. She she wrote mm-hmm. um, Coyote versus Acme, which was supposed to come out and then was like infamously shelved by Warner Brothers. And like maybe is going to be coming out in 2024. It seems like it's coming out sometime this year, but th- we've not gotten a confirmed date or even who's doing it. Yeah, so like fingers crossed that some sort of miracle comes through and and people will actually be able to see the the um, you know the the end result of like all the hours of work that went into making that movie. Um, but just the fact that this May December is her first like produced feature um, 
is kind of astonishing just in terms yeah, of like the, the complexity in the movie, you know? Yeah, I got to sit through a um like a Q&A at at Vidius where they were showing it in LA this weekend and you can tell that like that reality is still kind of hitting her a little bit where it's like you got your like your first movie that actually got to be in production because obviously she's written plenty of things before but is Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore and Todd Haynes and she's like yeah what (laughs) which I feel like that's the correct response because it's like it's a miracle when any movie gets made in this industry but for your first like produced feature film to be this big and to have this much buzz around it is wild um but this like the script is really like there's so many things to love about this movie and the way that it is structured but it really does go back to the script for me because it is there's so much happening there is just layers upon layers upon layers and it does force you to sit in a lot of discomfort, which I think movies need to do more often. Um, because there's definitely people who watch this movie and they're like, ah, ha, ha, this is a campy romp fun time. And it's like, it's not. And it's really weird to be in a room with people where like, the person three seats down from me is cackling their head off at something that is like breaking my heart. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like that that ultimately what got me into movies what made me fall in love with movies as a kid was realizing how movies affected different people differently and finding that to be magic like to me that is what movie magic is and may december is the most magical film of the year for me when you think about it through that lens that's beautifully said bj that's an excellent list man so many good things on here and uh i hope that that our listeners are you know making lists of their own you know compiling all these things that people have been mentioning in their own top tens and uh and like yeah just like adding them to their watch list if you haven't seen this stuff so um hopefully it's serving as uh not only just a way for you know us to talk about movies that moved you bj but like mm-hmm. um you know a, a recommendation engine of sorts for uh, for our listeners as well so oh definitely and like this isn't even to touch on like i didn't even talk about documentaries like kokomo city or you're my first boyfriend like there are so many other movies that you know were amazing this year that didn't get talked about all that much so you know the thing that i always tell people is like don't let top 10 lists be the end all be all like seek out like writers that you like or people whose tastes align with yours and see what else they're talking about in their writing on social media on their letterboxd what have you like see what else they're talking about because that is often how i find some of my new favorite movies yeah and sometimes like you know people like us we we can't fit the um things that we want to talk about occasionally into articles that we have to write or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's not like everyone, some, the, the internet is changing and, and, you know, things used to be, I think a little bit more free flowing in terms of people just being able to write and get away with writing pretty, you know, essentially whatever they wanted to, to a certain degree or, or another. But, uh, but now things, you know, the internet is getting worse probably is, is the best way to say it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, a long, long winded way of saying, do what BJ says, like check out letterbox, especially I think is is probably a good spot where people can highlight some stuff that they, you know, really love and care about and cherish and and want to put forward to the rest of the world. So, um, yeah. Do do you want to tell people like where they can find you on the internet, BJ? Oh, sure. Okay. Go ahead. So I'm on, you know, I'm on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it. Um, Instagram, blue sky and tiktok and letterboxd now um i finally joined that cult 
um, over uh, at, at my screen name is just my name at BJ Colangelo, C-O-L-A-N-G-E-L-O. Um, and then I also co-host a podcast with my wife, Harmony, called This Ends at Prom, where we talk about coming of age films of all genres, time periods, what have you, everything from Xenon Girl, the 21st century to Little Darlings um, and everything in between. Um, and so we do occasionally talk about films that either have been forgotten about or like the one I previously mentioned for documentaries, You Were My First Boy friend which is available on max which is if you are a gen x or an older millennial i highly recommend you watch that one because it's gonna make you heal your your inner teen a little bit there um but those are the main places you can find me i'm also on tiktok but i sometimes talk about film on tiktok i mostly talk about uh queerness and shit posting <laughs> <laughs> amazing well i joined letterboxd at the start of january as well so you can find me over there um i'm no longer on twitter i'm on blue sky and instagram and uh yeah i think i think instagram blue sky and letterboxd probably i'm the also best. sort of using threads but i'm also oh fighting. yeah I'm, I'm fighting it i don't want yeah. to use threads i don't I like it as much <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know again once again the internet is getting a little bit worse but you can find me at all those places at ben pairs um yeah i think that's going to do it for today's show thank you for uh sharing your list with me bj i appreciate it um and we'll f- I'll try to link to a few things in the show notes here, but you can find stories about all the movies that BJ mentioned at SlashFilm.com. SlashFilmDaily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.